I'm talking to myself about something I saw on Instagram. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I love how present you are for these recordings. What do you mean? You're eating chips, you're on Instagram. <laughs> Just right now. I don't care. I support you. I haven't eaten today. I support you. All right. Ready for me to start? Yeah. Or do you need more chip time? Let me just down them really quick. You're downing so many. That's like going to be like two or three bites. Mm-mm. You're like the Joey Chestnut of Crunchies. I don't say it was a handful. Well, you said you're going to down them real quick. So in my mind, they were you were like ready for the last mouthful. But we got to release this as Patreon content. I think the perverts would pay for this. I don't think you'll ever know how much I appreciate you. Why? I'm lucky you're my friend. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, she finished it. Hello and welcome to Birder. I barely know her. The only birding podcast where birthday season is officially over. I'm your host, Dewey Cassidy, along with my co-host... Jessica Cristiano. Birthday season is over, but that's it's no fun. I know. I'm sorry. I've made it out of 28. You are now in the scary year of 27, which, as we know, is 27 Club. You made it out of 27. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I made it out of 27. I'm no longer 27, but you are now 27. Yeah. This year might be the year I die. Because um, you had a close encounter on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. The morning after my birthday, I almost got hit by a car by somebody going through the like Trader Joe's intersection but they were going slow enough that they wouldn't actually hurt me I don't think it was really jarring almost getting hit by a car they don't tell you that (laughs) so we're recording this in the aftermath of my birthday party I'm very hungover are you yeah I'm not like incredibly hungover but I was pretty hungover this morning and I think the coffee helped but that I did not eat lunch because of the podcast recording and now it's I'm going back into headache mode big time oh no um yeah it's it's fine yeah people kept like were insistent on getting you drinks last night it was i had to like fight people off i was like no. which is so sweet but it was very sweet because i have no money and it's my birthday and they were really um insisting on buying me drinks and i had to turn several people down so we had had a birthday party yesterday saw a lot of my friends it was very fun one of my friends now is a very avid listener to the podcast so thank you for that shout out mary who's uh one of our spotify followers so thank you mary thank you mary we have to make another shout out, both a shout out and a sort of mea culpa. I've had this idea for our Instagram post where we do the who's that bird to sort of get people excited about the episode. And I thought it'd be fun if we had people try to guess the bird. So I did that on our most recent one. And shout out to Celeste Voce for correctly guessing that they were all owls. And then I thought that technically the winner should be able to guess what owls they are. And Jess and Celeste both think I'm very wrong for doing that. Oh, she does? Oh, yeah, 100%. She responded. I said, great job, Celeste, but uh, don't be mad at Dewey, but we want the specific answer. And she said, no one will ever know that. That's what I said. I th- I know it's hard, but I thought it'd be a fun challenge for everybody. I think you're you know? setting people up for failure, and then no one's going to want to comment. Okay. Well, going forward, we can be less specific with the winners, so but I just thought not- it'd be a fun little challenge for everybody. Because, like, man, it's okay. fun when you finally get it right. It's like when you finally, like, beat your dad at chess when you're a kid or something. But you know, no one's going to know. I don't know. We got some bird freaks out there. Maybe they can tell. Okay. Maybe P&W bird nerd. I don't know. People might know. Anyway, so shout out but, to Celeste for, correct, for correctly identifying our latest deep dive as an owl episode. So I can't give you any prize other than the shout out that I promised. So congratulations, Celeste. You are right. Jess was right. Dewey was wrong. And we're all learning and growing. And that's important. Totally. Speaking of, for the, for the listeners who can't Google right now, 
What's um, mea culpa? Mea culpa, it's like, I can't remember the exact Latin translation, but it may, it essentially means, oh, I fucked up, my bad, let me apologize. Some, usually publicly. Oh, cool. So this is a congratulations and an apology to Celeste, a very dear friend of mine who I have wronged with my arrogance. So apologies, Celeste. Thank you for bringing me Paxlovid when I had COVID. I appreciate it. Thank you for being on my side. Yeah. Celeste. Well, you, you Italian women, you have to stick together. So true. Anyway. Well, we should bring yeah. on our guest um, as they've been patiently waiting for the whole banter session. So please welcome improviser Sam D. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Sam, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it and owe you forever. So uh, anytime <laughs> you, you need a ride, need a house sitter, um, need like a $1,000 loan, hit me up and I'll, uh, I'll try my best to make it up to you. He'll ask okay, me. yeah. I'll definitely consider it. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on today. We appreciate it for spending your uh, little Sunday. Er, Sunday? What is today? Sunday. I'm. You got it. I'm unemployed, so the d- the days have no meaning to me. Uh, my life is just a nebulous uh, experience of woe and whatnot. So, you know. If you say it with confidence, we'll believe you. Okay, then today today is Sunday, and uh, that's 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 life, baby. Sorry if you got to change your calendars. So Sam, you and I know each other from improv. That's correct, right? Yeah, from. Um... God, like many years ago like many years ago, years I, think ago like 20, yeah, yeah. I think 2017 like when you just came out here yeah yeah um so we took an improv class together with an improv teacher who i thought was like very effective but a little bit like aggressive in a fine way and then it turns out probably two classes after us she got fired for making two girls cry in improv 101 so uh looks like she was a little more aggressive than i thought but i think also it should be mentioned that our class started out with maybe like 12 people a regular size <laughs> and by like week two it was down to eight and yeah. then by week four it was literally just like me dewey and two other people yeah who like survived. peter and Susie, yeah <laughs> yeah oh and my uh, gosh. the teacher had a very unprofessional moment which i guess was fine but when the last class when it was just the four of us she's like Oh boy, I'm glad it's you guys. There are some people in this class I did not want to be here. I was like, I don't know if you should say that. Was it a Willy Wonka situation? It was a Willy Wonka situation, yeah. The first the first one was lost, uh, very gluttonous. He went to pick up a candy bar from the side of the road and got hit yeah. by a car. Uh, there was one that was very rude to some old people, so they got hit by a, an, an old person car. And the last one standing got, uh, got to teach the improv class? Yes, so Sam, uh, congratulations. Sam actually runs the theater now, so. Yes. Oh wow, you're name dropping. Okay, because <laughs> yeah, up until now we didn't say <laughs> where it was. Yeah, that was that was an interesting class. Did you ever take any more classes there? Uh, no, that that experience kind of turned. You know what? It wasn't even the fact that the teacher was weird. It was the fact that they wouldn't turn on the lights in the theater, so it was very dark. And I would be doing scenes, and I sometimes like literally just couldn't see my scene partner's face because it was so dark. <laughs> I have no. Oh yeah, I guess because it was like a daylight class, so I just think they thought they didn't need to. But yeah, that was a. But there are no windows in the building. Yeah, so it's a black it was box just theater. Dark by definition. I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were doing echolocation improv. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and then we would walk outside, and it would be like the middle of the afternoon, and like our eyes would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did start. Yeah, we started walking into walls. It was great. Yeah, I remember 
because we would go out for the break and then go get like I would go to like the corner store nearby and the corner store always gave me very weird vibes. I don't I don't know what it was. Something about it. I don't know if you ever went to Westwood. There was a when I was in college at UCLA, not to name drop. There was a liquor store where you had to haggle your prices. Oh. You'd like hold up a beer like a thing of beers. You'd be like twenty bucks, and he's like twenty two, and then like you'd have to like argue with them. Uh huh. Um, which I don't know if that's legal. I don't know how I don't know how running a business works, but that seems wrong. Was this at the improv space? Yeah, it was right by the improv space. Okay. Because did you do the jam there a couple times or anything? Or did I just keep DMing you uh, to audition every every few months? No, I think the one other uh, interaction we had was you you hosted a like a nude improv show or something like... Improv rectification? Yeah. Yes, yeah, where like men had to be naked or something. Yeah. And sure I is. did that show with you. Oh, right. But what happened was like, because like we had to be naked, one of my teammates, he took off his clothes and his wallet and his phone and put it in the audience... And there were these people from like Fat Sal's yes. who went off work and were drunk and stole his wallet while he was performing. Wait, that sounds familiar. But didn't steal his wallet. Sorry. I think that might have been the night we met, Jess. What if we were Wait, all there? Really? That's so cute. So Jess, <laughs> Jess and I met because she saw me in two consecutive improv shows where I injured my back. I don't know if that was the one where I hurt my back again, but that may have been after we met and you just kept seeing my shows. But yeah, I remember that because they got into like a five minute altercation about it. Right, because they stole the phone and the wallet, but they didn't, like, leave. Yeah, they kept, so, like, they kept my friend, watching. Right, so my friend got off stage, and he was like, where is my stuff? Yeah. And then, like, someone nudged him and was like, that guy took it. Yeah. And then, like, we had to turn the house lights up, and then, like, they got into this huge fight. They were like, we know you took the wallet. Like, give it back to us. Yeah, because it wasn't, like, the last set of the night. You guys were, like, the second or third team. So right, you, you went like, up after us. <laughs> yeah. It was so uncomfortable. And it was so weird because they weren't, like... They gave the wallet and phone back. And then, like, his excuse was like, oh, I didn't know it was yours. I was just going to, like, grab it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was. And then, and then we watched the rest of the improv show. <laughs> yeah, right? He was like, it was like the most polite thief we had ever met. Cause, like, he, like, gave it back and, like, didn't, like, try to, like, beat up your friend or, like, stab him or anything. He's just like, yeah, I took it. You know, here you go. <laughs> yeah. God, that was a weird night. And we were naked. <laughs> and you were naked, yeah. To clarify, it was that you were topless. You were not. Shirtless. As far as <laughs> or, I know. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Was that the? There was one week. So that was hosted by um, friend of ours, Eric Chadho, very talented improviser. He and Bailey, um, Bailey Kai, um, hosted that show. And there was one team they booked who didn't know it was a shirtless show until they got on stage. <laughs> and uh, like they're like, uh, yeah, I guess we'll do it. And then like they like <laughs> took their, and it was fine, but like that could have gone very poorly. <laughs> Did you ever have a moment during that show where you played and like you were on the back line? and didn't realize that your shirt, your like skin was stuck to the wall. Honestly, the only thing I remember from that night was my friend getting his stuff stolen. <laughs> they literally turned on all the house lights yeah. and then like we just had this huge argument and like, yeah, God, it was so No, weird. it was crazy. And your, your friend was deservedly very angry. I was like, dude, we know you took my stuff. You're sitting in my seat and my stuff is gone. Yeah, and then there was another guy on the team who was, like, very, like, sweet, who just, like, went into, like, he didn't even get his stuff stolen. He was yeah. just, like, defending my other friend, but he, like, went into a rage, and I was like, I've never seen this side of him. What the fuck is going yeah. on? It was crazy. And then, like, there was a girl with them, and then she kept apologizing because, like, she wanted it to be clear that they're not bad people, and I think she also wanted to see more shows later, so she was, like, trying to, like, protect the relationship in a weird way, which was fun. Yeah. She's like, we're so sorry, guys. That was a really good show. Sorry this happened. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that was weird. I forgot about that. That was a crazy night. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I bring up the shirt thing because that show was famous for squelching. Because, like, when you're, like, an improviser, you're used to hanging out in the back wall and, like, leaning against the wall. But, like, if you're not wearing a shirt and you're in a black box theater with an air conditioner meant for a dorm room, 
it's gonna get really hot really fast. So I've never seen what start you would just hear like, like every time oh, something would come out. Ew. That was a fun show though. That was a that was a fun concept. I'll say R.I.P. the improv space. I, I'll say I saw a few improv objectification shows, and I squelching does not stand out to me. Really? Yeah. Huh. Might have just been a st- on well, stage may- thing. Maybe I'm just some sort of freak. Yeah. That's the fun thing about improv. Like you like take a class with somebody you won't see them for months, and suddenly they'll get like booked on the same show as you out of nowhere. So it's just fun the weird ways our paths cross. Yeah, and I remember specifically after that show, I remember thinking like my first experience with Dewey was that awful one-on-one class. Yeah, right. <laughs> my second experience with Dewey was my friend yeah, got your robbed. Friend getting robbed. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think I saw you again until I did that drop-in at Mike McClendon's and did one of the worst scenes of my life. Um, and then. Right, yeah, yeah. And then I think I saw you at a Herald Experience again. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, Herald Experience, a fun show. If there's any improvisers out there, feel free to do it. If there's nobody wants to watch, go watch it. Our uh, former guest, Zeph, is one of the producers. Go check it out. Yeah, because so you've been doing improv for a few years now, right, Sam? Mm-hmm. And not to brag, you're on a Herald team? Uh, yeah, I'm on a Herald team at UCB. I say brag about it. If anybody here is not well-versed in improv, uh, Sam has essentially said that he's a, a star basketball player. That's like the pinnacle of improv is becoming a UCB Herald Knight member. So he's being very modest, but should be very proud of himself. Because um, what is your team called? Uh, my team is called Headbutt. It's called what? Headbutt? Headbutt. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal, but apparently not big enough for you to know my team. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm... Dewey didn't do his research. It's too far from me now. I only go when I have to. It's like a mile away. Okay, but if it's not like connected to my house, it is too far. All right. If I'm not walking, if... I'm gonna I'm gonna dox you. Okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Please triangulate my location between uh, all the various places we go. Yeah, I guess it is kind of close. So I will go out and see you on Herald Night, but it feels like it gets sold out pretty quick. Uh yeah yeah I think so. Because my teammate Derek is on Herald Night. I've not been able to see him ever because uh he just keeps every like it gets sold out immediately. So yeah okay if you guys are ever double billed I will check out the show. Uh, <laughs> so. If and only yeah, please, if. Please come. <laughs> Not if. Okay, I will go. I. Oh my god. I will. I will support and watch you, Sam. I will. I will go out. And you, do that. you don't. You don't have to. I'm going to. I want to be. I want to be one of those people. I want to be there. You know. Not that you need support. Harold Knight's usually pretty. Packed, okay, let's so. move on to yeah. the birds. No, 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 no. I want to embarrass myself as much as possible. I want to. <laughs> I want to really live in it. Um. Yeah. But so that's how we know each other is through improv and stuff. And now you mostly do stuff that used to be in we, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we both we both went on our separate improv journeys. I became a second city person. You're a big UCB big shot. So there's a it's fun to see where we came from. Um, but speaking of where we came from, so um, you live in LA now, but you're from Mississippi. So I got to ask Sam, what is your history, if any, with birds and or birding? Um, zero history with birding. <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen them before. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and I've been like, oh, there's a big bird right there, but that's, that's about it. <laughs> that's huge. Um, well, hell yeah. So we went on a birding trip today, and apparently it's your first birding trip. So, Jess, could you go ahead and read off the list of birds that we saw yeah, today? Yeah, you bet. Uh, we saw snowy egrets, killdeers, great egrets, great blue herons, uh, black phoebe, black neck stilts, mallards, barn swallows, pigeons, Egyptian geese, and black crown night herons. Yeah, so we saw a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, so that first bird that we saw was the snowy egret. Sam, what do you think about those snowy egrets? I maybe this is naive, but I like the big ones because they're easy to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a very good choice. Well, let's talk about them, the great egret, because that's a little bigger. Um, so we saw the great egrets. What do you think about those big guys? Um, cool. I like how big their wings were. 
Yeah, they're they're a very beautiful bird to watch in flight. They're gigantic and they have that very striking, like completely white um, coloring, which is really cool. And as a bird photographer, incredibly difficult to photograph. But yeah, so these guys are part of the heron family, as we discussed. So all egrets are herons. So you asked about predators, Sam. You asked about predators, if they have any predators. So they're pretty big, so they don't like to worry about that. The biggest way that they sort of get preyed upon is in the nesting period. Um, they have to protect their babies. But it's not just from other predators. A lot of times that the chicks will just kill each other, which is crazy. So in order to, it's like, I guess, helpful evolution-wise because the strongest survive, but like the stronger chicks will, in a sense of competition, kill the other chicks. So not only do they have to worry about, like, raccoons and stuff eating their eggs, they have to worry about their babies eating their other babies, which is fucked up and crazy. Uh, Sam, do you have any siblings? Uh, I have one. I have an older brother, yeah. Okay. So you guys both survived the nesting period. There was no... <laughs> there was no... Yeah. Fratricide. Mm-hmm. No, none, thankfully. How much older is he? He's eight years older than me, so he definitely oh, wow. could have killed me and eaten me if he wanted. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yes, you and McKenna had had a few dust-ups as kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a twin sister, and we used to fight pretty... Because at one point, she hit you with a laptop, <laughs> like a WWE move. Yeah, but one time I kicked her so hard that she, like, ping-ponged her head between... Or not ping-pong. What's the... Pinball. Um, her head between, like, a bookshelf and her bed. It wasn't good. Oh, my God. We got... We, it was... We don't do that anymore. Yeah, that would... That's a little bit different as an adult. Well, uh... I have a question about this bird thing, though. Yeah. Um, so we the, yeah, sorry, the birds please bring it back to on topic, Sam. The the siblings they fight, but like, uh, and the parents don't want that to happen. Because so, sometimes, like some sometimes, like they'll like certain animals will kill their young, so the other ones will survive, right? Yeah, I'm not totally sure if the birds ha- the parents have any opinion on it. For the species, it's helpful because the stronger ones do survive, so it does result in, um, you know, like. It's like stronger ones surviving, but I don't know how, like their clutches, I don't know how big they are. I don't know, like they have like, I have to look up how many um, birds they have in each nest as they're growing up. But I would imagine as long as like they have enough kids, it's probably beneficial for them. So that's a good question. So I imagine they don't have much of an opinion. I don't know how big their brains are, but I would guess it's, you know, it's a good thing. Oh. I mean, it's as sad as it is. <laughs> no, I feel like that's better because I feel like, like when I see those like videos of like a mother animal has to like kill one of their young so that the rest survive, like that sucks. But it's like if you just have the siblings fight each other, then you don't have to make that decision, and it feels yeah. a little nicer. You saying those videos makes me very worried for your TikTok slash Instagram feed. I don't know what your algorithm is showing you. <laughs> well, there was like a viral one of like a, a like a mother bird like throwing at one of its weakest children out of the nest. Oh my god! What? Yeah, I didn't see that one. So that's. <laughs> crazy yeah it's sad. what kind of bird was it do you know uh bit big long beak and it's oh. just like poking around <laughs> its nest and then it picks one takes it out and just throws it out of the nest jesus yeah yeah that's nature's fucking scary um we're gonna talk about them a little more but we saw killdeer today killdeer do that but on accident so they really like to build nests on like people's roofs like the gravelly sort of roofs um because it's like whatever texture they prefer but the problem with that is that those are very easy to fall off of. So a lot of times they'll like lead the chicks out of the nest and the chicks will accidentally fall off and like die, which is fucking crazy. So it's very interesting how like so many birds adapt to survive and then so many birds also do incredibly stupid shit that makes them die. It's like nature is a, a mixed bag of intelligence if you think about it. So we talked about breeding stuff just because we were trying to figure out those herons that we saw were breeding. 
Um, so one cool thing about um, great egrets is when they're breeding, they get this really cool plumage. I'm gonna show you guys, I'm gonna screen share my window real quick. So I've seen this a little bit, not a ton, but when they're breeding, they get this sort of almost like fountain-like um, feather plumage, like on like sort of their back and shoulders. So they'll use this to attract mates and show that they're ready for mating, which is really cool. So this stuff actually was a problem for egrets and like other herons also get similar plumage, but it was a problem for them back in the day because in like the, eight, like the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was a huge plumage craze where people would hunt and kill herons and egrets specifically to collect this stuff for like hats and like dresses as like accents and stuff. And there's a uh, one egret called the little, or one heron called the little blue heron, and it was the only heron that didn't face extinction because of this, because it's like the only one that doesn't have plumage. So it's interesting how different like random adaptations will end up helping birds for some reason. But uh, I would love to see this in the wild. This is pretty gnarly looking. Yeah, why haven't we? Um, I don't know. We've seen it a little bit. A couple times when we went to oh. late spring, we've seen birds that have a little bit of this, but like never to this extent. Is this plumage thing to like attract mates? Yeah, so it's, attra it's attracting mates. It's um, So it's similar to how like peacocks do like their display. With birds, it's a really interesting... So birds, as we know, are more colorful than other animals. Like mammals are like pretty much like gray, brown, or black, or white, or whatever. But birds have all these like different like colorful attributes. And it's because birds have a lot of like extra like rods and cones or whatever eye sensors to sense color and because of that beauty attractiveness like in that way that's not technically beneficial in like a hunting or whatever situation has still become important in seeking mates so in a lot of birds displays of beauty in that way have become incredibly important for attracting mates um, so that's why you see so many birds that have like those beautiful feather displays um, those beautiful like dances the beautiful colors and stuff they show off there's a really interesting documentary on Netflix right now. I think it's called World of Color. I'll have to look it up later. Um, but essentially, it's about the way that different animals perceive color, how it affects them. And they do a whole thing on how birds have sort of evolved um, because of the way they perceive color to like be attracted to that stuff. And sometimes it is to their detriment. Like peacocks, they have those giant, beautiful tails the males do to do that dance, to attract that mate. But that makes it incredibly hard for them to fly, so it's easier for like a tiger or something to just like snatch them up and grab them. But yeah, so like we we're talking about with birds, you'll see a lot more of those like beautiful displays that technically are pretty much vestigial. Like they're not help. Like this is not going to help it hunt. It's not going to help it blend in. It's literally just for attracting mates. Um, so with birds, you'll see that a lot more than with other species, like a dolphin or something like that, which is pretty cool. But it's like they have to choose between finding a mate or surviving. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you ever watched What We Do in the Shadows, but it's like, have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like how, even though it is a cursed witch hat, Laszlo insists on wearing that hat that is bad luck because he looks good. It's like not good for them, but they'll keep doing it because it gets them laid. So. <laughs> the... Wow, birds are just like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam was, Sam was dressed real slutty on the wall. <laughs> we had to stop multiple times because people kept turning their heads. Yeah, somebody tried to kill me for my hat. It was awful. <laughs> Yeah, a bunch of bikers biked into shit because they were just staring at Sam when they went by. It was, uh... mm -hmm. But, you know, we appreciate it. That's why we booked you, Sam. <laughs> like the birds. I never thought about how other animals aren't colorful until just now when you said that. Yeah. That's crazy. Part of that, too, is just like a random thing from evolution. They're talking about in the documentary, the reason that animals are, or that most mammals are like those colors is just because, like, the, their ancestors just sort of like lost the other color genes from like dinosaurs and shit. So it was weird stuff. I lose a lot of time like researching mammal evolution and stuff. So it's because it's so crazy. We're like fish and then we were reptiles and suddenly those reptiles just grew hair and then now here we are. They grew hair and stopped laying eggs.
all all women want to do is be bisexual, grow hair, stop laying eggs, and lie. That's true. Yeah, you are. By the way, Sam, not to not to blow you up. You were asking very good questions today, so thank you for that. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> being great. Um, I well, so the thing is, like, I've never been birding, and like, part of it was like, I got I got to figure out what the point of this is. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, like, people are, like, I know it's a hobby. People are yeah. into it. And but yeah. then I feel like usually for hobbies, it's like instantly like, oh, I get why people like this, right? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, let me try and, let me try and really figure out what is it about this that, like, gets people going. <laughs> for me, it literally is just, like, real-life Pokemon. Like, I love seeing stuff and categorizing it and learning. I really love animal behavior. I think it's so fascinating the way they, they like, evolve certain adaptations and like do stuff and so i love seeing that in birds like we'll talk about it more today but we actually got some pretty cool behavior today and like seeing for instance those two great blue herons fighting over territory was like the coolest fucking thing i've ever seen i love watching that and because like we see like i mentioned before we see birds in this in a city setting most of the time so we don't see a lot of that behavior so it's cool to get a glimpse of that um like we did today at the river what is it about birds rather than like let's say like coyotes or like that's a great question so the reason that I prefer birds, how often have you walked out of your house and seen a fucking tiger? Never. Never, right? But birds mm-hmm. are a very accessible animal. Mm-hmm. Even if you live in, like, the middle of the city, you'll see, like, birds. Like, we see, like, hawks. We live in the middle of the city. We see hawks. We see, like, vultures come by. So what I love about birds is I – it's not that I prefer them over other types of nature. Like, I'm just as interested in, like, wolves and, like, whales and shit. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to see a wolf, like, right by my house. I'm not going to see a whale, like, right by my house. So what's cool about birds is you can anybody who wants to can just buy a pair of binoculars, walk outside, and see some really cool shit. So that's why I really like them, just because they're a really accessible animal that gives you this appreciation for the wild for the wild world. You can get out and do your Pokemon snap shit like I do with my camera. So it's just um, that's why I like them. Very accessible, and plus they do cool shit. They're all colorful, you know. Uh-huh. And like we're lucky enough, like in LA, I think you had more colorful shit in Mississippi because you're sort of close to the Gulf. You're sort of close to those warm waters in the South Carolinas and the Florida and shit. But down here in LA, we do get some nice tropical stuff sometimes because of our proximity to Mexico and you know Central America. So we're a little mm. lucky here. We do get some cool, colorful stuff. So that's why I like birds. But you know, Interesting. to each their own. And I'm gonna warn you ahead of time, Sam. When we ask you later, we're gonna ask you later if you want to go birding again. I need you to know the it's okay if you say no. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't trying to shit on birding. I was just like, let me like. Because, like, I was asking a lot about fishing, too, on this yeah. trip. Because I yeah. saw a lot of people fishing. And, like, that's... I grew up fishing a lot. I like fishing. And it's, like... Yeah. Because what, what do you like about fishing? I like that they're slimy and, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I... But, like, similar to, like, birds, it's, like... I guess, like, if you go fishing, it's, like, you don't know. It's a surprise. You don't know what's going to come out. You yeah. know what I mean? It could be a boot. Exactly. And then, like, I like the, like, you're just sitting there, nothing's happening, all of a sudden you feel a tug, and, like, you're yeah. fighting against it. That's, That's fun. feels like my marriage, am I right? <laughs> Can you walk me through that Wait, one? You're not actually married. No, because the idea is, like, in marriage, you don't have sex a lot once you get married. Sorry. Oh, you can have sex with a fish if you want. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried going out fishing since you've been in L.A.? Like, have you tried getting back into it, or? No, I've always wanted to do deep-sea fishing in L.A., because I think oh, it's wow. surprisingly affordable, and it's yeah. also, like... You know, even if you don't catch anything, it's a nice day in yeah. the ocean. Is that something where, like, a bunch of you would, like, get together and, like, rent out something, like, on, like, together? Or would you just, like, go with, like, a group that, like, hosts, like, fishing tours and stuff? Um, you can rent, like, a charter. Uh, or oh, wow. it's, like, you could just buy, like, a ticket on a boat for, okay. like, 40 bucks. And then um, you go out and you, like, 
fish and like a lot of the fish you catch are like really weird like they're deep sea and like, yeah, yeah. they look scary and also i think i like fishing because you can eat them you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like an all-in-one experience where you're like you're looking at cool animals you're like fighting them a little bit and then you can eat them at the end they're yeah. slimy you can eat them it's great <laughs> you sound like timon and pumbaa about bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was interesting you talk about like the the relaxing part then suddenly you feel the tug and you get to um fish because a lot of back home i live i grew up in the country so there's a lot of people who love to fish and a lot of what it is is just sort of that meditative quality for like a lot of like maybe not to judge people too much but for like a lot of emotionally repressed men like it's sort of nice to have like that male bonding and like meditation and stuff and i think it's the cool thing about fishing is you get that sort of meditative experience because with birding birding's a lot more of like a very attentiony hobby compared to fishing like you're constantly being stimulated having to like look over here look over here but with fishing they sort of come to you which i think is fun yeah what's your fate oh go ahead sorry i was gonna say i noticed like with the birding trip i was like I would enjoy this more if I could touch them. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, or if I could feed them or something. Yeah, that's a, again, we've had, I've had to stop. Jess, uh, I need to stop bringing this story up. I brought it up too many times, yeah. but Jess has tried to get a hawk to come to her a couple times. Oh, shit. It didn't work. It's not worked yet, but. Uh, Next time. Well, Sam, you should go out to Deb's Park, that lake I talked about where people feed that, uh, that great blue heron probably to its detriment. You can probably get close enough to pet it. Oh. oh, I used to go, um, growing up, there was a park with like tons of ducks and I used to feed bread to ducks and that I really liked. Yeah. You can still feed ducks now. Just don't feed them bread. Uh, you can look up what they eat, but I think they like seeds and stuff or like little things, but bread is not good for them. Yeah. I'm sorry. You didn't get to pet any today. If you ever do want to pet a bird and you're close enough to it, make sure that you check the signs around and make sure there's not signage that says there's bird flu nearby. <laughs> oh, uh, that's, right. a, that's a big problem that I want to make sure you don't get sick. Um, or like other weird diseases. How do you but, get bird flu? Do you have to yeah. be bit like rabies or is it? I think it just transmits the same way the flu does to everybody, either on a surface or like through okay. breathing. Good to know. Yeah. So Sam, what's your favorite fish that you've caught? Just in terms of coolness. It was like when I was in high school one time and like my parents were going to host like a dinner party thing yeah. for a family friend. Yeah. And like in the afternoon they were like, oh, I wonder if we cooked enough food. Hopefully oh. it'll be enough. And then I just happened to go fishing that day and I caught like the biggest bass of my life, like maybe like 10 pounds. Oh. And like it was so big to the point where I was like kind of scared it would break the line and like <laughs> I didn't know how I'd like pull it out. Yeah. And like I took it back home and then like my mom was like, oh, well, I'll cook this up right now. And then yeah. like... It was really cool because, like, I was 13 and, like, the other the other dads were like, oh, wow, you're, like, a man now. <laughs> like, <Aww. laughs> like they didn't say it outright, but that was, like, that was definitely the vibe. And, like, especially just, like, catch it during the day and have it, like, served up for all these other people at night was, like, really cool. I, I bet in some cultures that's how you become a man. So I, I say you became a man that day. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um i have to ask because you were in mississippi did you ever consider doing that catfish catfish fishing where they just stick their arm in and let the catfish bite them um no but i did work um this is so great like i spent like a, a weekend and like a summer working on like catfish farms whoa um yeah and so because catfish are bottom feeders you yeah. like they don't taste very good in the wild because they yeah. eat all this garbage so you have to farm catfish and so they like dig these like pools in mississippi yeah and it's just like a field of pools where there's like catfish in there and wow. my boss wouldn't like let me go in but he would put on the waders and go in and like <laughs> he would get bit by catfish that's Whoa. crazy i love that your boss is like forbidding you from going in there even though all you want to do is touch fish that's that kind of sucks yeah really <laughs> 
Did you ever get to touch a fish while you were there, or were you fully forbidden? I I didn't get to touch any, and also because it's like it's weird because it's like a crop, you know, it's like yeah. touching the livestock almost. <laughs> yeah, I touch livestock all the time when I raised goats and sheep. So, have you ever been to like a fish petting zoo at like an aquarium? Because they have like the thing where you can like touch like the manta rays or like the little like starfish and stuff. Yeah, but th- those are so like docile and like not wild. It's Wait, not do you satisfying. want the challenge? Is that what you like? <laughs> Yeah, because, like, it's, like, the initial surprise of, like, oh, I have a bite, and then the secondary surprise of, like, what bit, you know what I mean? Okay. My final question, have you ever had koi eat your feet or hands? Not koi, but I did one of those, like, spa things where small things eat your... Are those not koi? No. Oh. Koi are big. I didn't... Okay, I don't know shit, I guess. I did... This is maybe bad, but, like, I did go to, like, a koi pond, and I was having boba, and... (laughs) I, tr- I shot the boba into a koi's mouth. <laughs> that seems like perfect size mouth? to kill the koi. It, it feels yeah. like it's like koi mouth size. Not just in the in the pond for it to like pick up or like you like beer pond. I was it. like, well, because you hold it there and it's like, oh, food, and it comes to you, and then you like <laughs> push push out of the straw, and a little boba ball goes into its mouth. I feel like if you had stayed there longer, you might have had a lady in the tramp moment with that koi fish, yeah, <laughs> like a boba in your yeah. mouth, and you guys kissed. And then it turns into a prince. My sister and I, when we were in Hawaii one year, we found a dead crab at the beach, and then we threw it in the koi pond at the hotel, and they ate it. You carry it all the way back from the beach? It's like a beachfront resort. Okay. Brag. <laughs> and then they, they ate it, and then for the entire week, we were like, oh my god, we killed the koi fish. They're not supposed to eat those. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty dark. Do you think they survived? Do you think they're fine? Uh, No. I think <laughs> I don't know how long koi fish live, but they're probably dead by now. And it's a hotel, okay. so I don't think they're being taken care of that well. But speaking of touch tanks at aquariums, I used to volunteer at one, and I got to pet sharks sometimes. Not like big sharks. Whoa! And they have like sandpaper skin, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. It's spooky. Yeah, I had one more. Oh, it's funny how much kids love finding dead things. I don't know why that's such like ingrained in little kid brains, but like they love to find and poke dead things. Yeah. I was in Florida and we found a dead jellyfish that was like bigger than my head and like I carried it around all day in my shirt. Not like on my back, but like I took my shirt off and used it to like drag the. Oh, the I thought fish. you meant like in front of you, like an like a like a. Oh yeah. <laughs> Italian grandma. I carry this thing that could still sting me just close to my skin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should get back to the birds. As fun as that <laughs> fishing tangent was, uh, if you could, haven't guessed, Sam, this is a very tangent-friendly podcast. So we're gonna get into the great blue heron now. So what do you think about those great blue herons we saw? I liked it because it was big, <laughs> but it looked really similar to the uh, the white one that was big. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is. They look the same from afar, I guess. (laughs) Um, That's actually interesting to bring that up. So in Florida, which was close to where you're from, kind of, not really. That's like close the way that like Wyoming is close to us. Um, But in Florida, there are great blue herons that have a genetic mutation where they are white like that. They're called, I think it's a white morph. Um, So it's interesting you bring that up. But yeah, these are cool. These are cool guys. Um, They're big, like you said. So they are big. If you had to guess how much they weighed, what would you guess? 20 pounds? Five to six pounds. Wow. Bird bones are typically pretty hollow, so birds are a lot lighter than you thought. We asked another guest, and they guessed like fifty-five pounds. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, um, but birds are birds are deceivingly light because they got they got to take off in flight. So what's cool about these guys? We saw them engaging in territorial fighting today. Did you guys catch any of that fight, or did you just hear me running and screaming? Holy shit! Look at that. That's amazing. <laughs> I saw it. 
the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Though. So we got to see them sort of, um, they weren't, so I looked up videos later of these guys fighting to see what that typically looks like. And normally it's a lot more involved. Like there's a lot of like kicking and pecking. What we really saw was the more dominant heron just like flying at that other heron, like flying way up in the sky to dive on it, making it fly away. But it was cool because we, I talked about before, we don't see a lot of that like typical wild bird behavior because we're in such an urban area. But what's great about the rivers, even though it is surrounded by like developments on either side, it really is like this nice little wild pocket that we get to observe. So it's really cool to see that sort of natural behavior going on. We also saw the bird, a different great blue heron being chased off by some black neck stilts. So we've talked about this behavior before, it's called mobbing. So in order to survive against larger species, smaller species will organize sort of like unions, not to bring it back to the writer strike, Thank you. But the smaller species will organize and band together and do the thing we talked about called mobbing, where they will mob a species. So we saw this giant, literally the biggest bird in the river, being chased away by one of the smallest, those little black neck stilts, just flying at him and doing that screaming behavior, which is really cool. It's like the little kids in the on like a summer movie standing up to the bully, finally. It was very fun. Um, Jess, what do you typically think about grateful hands when we see them? Um, they're big. <laughs> got similar taste, I see. <laughs> they also kind of look dirty. They don't look blue. They look dirty. <laughs> That's usually my first thought. Yeah, I guess they do look, because they have a lot of those gray specks in and out. Yeah. yeah. So Sam, you talked about working at, it wasn't a fish hatchery. I guess it was more of like a fish farm. So these guys are big problems for fish farmers and like fish hatchers because they um, are pretty good at recognizing when people have a pond full of fish and they mm -hmm. would go in and fucking hometown buffet that shit. Wow. So they're a big problem for like salmon fisheries and stuff because the great blue herons will just fly in and like eat all the um, fish that they could find. My mom, bless her heart, has had this pond in her backyard for years full of goldfish. And uh, one day she came out to like look at her fish and she saw a giant great blue heron fly in. And within 10 seconds, it ate like all 25 of the goldfish she had. Wow. <laughs> These guys are real monsters when it comes to wow. eating. Do they have um, like a... Like a pouch, like a pelican to hold the fish, or is it? Just... I don't think so. I think they just they just go right down into the gut. They're because uh, they're not they're not really related to pelican form pelicaniforms like spoonbills are. They're sort of more in their own family, so they don't have a ton of like hmm. similarities. They do really just shoving down the gullet. Gross. Hey guys, Dewey here. Just hopping in real quick to interrupt neck chat with um, some more information. So we're talking about the neck skin of birds, which is referred to as a guler. Um, that's G-U-L-A-R. And we'd be remiss to talk about coolers without talking about guler fluttering. First things first, coolers. That refers to the sort of skin sack on the throat, the upper throat that a lot of birds have. So in pelicaniforms, typically this represents or this manifests as a pouch they use for food. In some birds, like magnificent frigate birds or certain grouses, it is utilized as a sort of throat sack that they can fill up with air to either intimidate foes or maybe do some displays for mating. In other birds, it's more vestigial. I don't mean vestigial than completely useless. I mean that it's not directly used for mating or anything. It's sort of in the same way that you just have a throat, you know, it's not like this sort of um, specialized thing. But I want to talk about guler fluttering. So again, if we're talking about gulers and gray blue herons, we need to talk about guler fluttering. So birds can't sweat. Uh, birds don't have sweat glands like humans do. So they will keep cool in a variety of ways. You know, they'll get wet like hippos or something, and they will also pant like dogs in some cases. And more specifically, great blue herons engage in a very specialized form of panting referred to as guler fluttering. So what they will do is they will literally flutter those muscles, flap them back and forth as fast as possible to bring cool air into their bodies and cool them down. 
And uh, what's fun about this is they don't just stand there normally and do this. They will actually strike a pose as they perform guler fluttering. So what they will do is they will lower their shoulders, flap their wings to the side, almost as if they're like some sort of flasher, and just stand there going, hey, like Fonzie, while they like move their throat back and forth as fast as possible. If you want to see some photos of um, guler fluttering in action, check out my Instagram and scroll way back until you see a great blue heron looking real creepy, and you can sort of see um, how I've captured that behavior. Anyway, back to the episode. So we talked a little bit about colors and like bird eye perception and how like they're really good at identifying that. So it's cool about herons. We talked about black crowned night herons. We saw a couple today. Great blue herons are similar, not in that they're um, only active at night, but they're able to hunt both at the night and in the daytime because they have a ton of extra photoreceptors in their eyes, which allows them to hunt in, in very low light with almost sort of like night vision. I don't know if we can test it like we do with like cats and dogs where you see like that glow in their eyes back at you, um, but they are really good at sort of perceiving stuff at night. You know what I'm talking about, right, Jess? No idea. So animals that have really good night vision, if you accidentally like shine a light near their eyes, it'll reflect back at you because of like the sensors they have in there to reflect light. So that's why, like, when you see, like, a predator at night, you'll see, like, glowing eyes looking back at you, like the wolf or, like, the uh, bobcat and stuff. That's what that is. Huh. Yeah. That's where, like, that trope of, like, glowing eyes in the shadows comes from. Good to know. How do you know if, like, a species of bird is, like, able to be, like, like domesticated or, like, ah. um, like, like carrier pigeons or, like, yeah. um, like oh, f- fishing with cor- cormorants? Cor- well, so cormorants? here's the, here's the thing with, um any species so domestication just happens through years of breeding so like wolves they're not like oh boy wolves are super easy to domesticate it was just that like the most docile wolves were bred until that docile like nature was bred into them and that's how we got dogs same with chickens same with cows same with everything so in theory you could if you tried hard enough domesticate like any animal and like it'll hopefully happen after a while but um good question so with like pigeons, like people just took like doves and like slowly domesticated them. So that's a good question. I don't know if there's any way to tell if a bird will be domesticated faster or not, mm, but, uh, okay. you know, but yeah, we did see some of those former, we saw a bunch of pigeons today, which we talked about, um, in previous episodes, how pigeons are essentially just pets that live in the wild. They can't really survive on their own. So we also saw the black neck stilts. So I want to talk about the black neck stilts, but I'm not sure, Sam, if you liked them because they are incredibly small. Um, what did you think about the black neck stilts? Well, that one was actually my favorite. Cause <laughs> what? Oh my god! Those are the ones with the orange legs, right? Yeah, the one that are like more pinkish orange. But yeah, the giant like pink fleshy legs. Holy shit! This is not to freak anybody out. This is groundbreaking. I was not expecting this. <laughs> well, why were they your favorite? Because I liked that they had like an interesting shape and like they yeah. moved around in an interesting way. I feel like even the big ones, it's like cool. They're big, but like they moved around like other birds that I've seen before. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so how would you describe the way these ones move around in an interesting way? They kind of, like, when they run, it's like they run, like, with their head first, almost <laughs> as if, like, they've never run before. Yeah, they're, like, if they had arms, they'd be Naruto running back behind their head. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They look like weebs, and that's kind <laughs> of what I think is funny. Yeah, they are, they are the giant, the biggest weebs of the bird world. Yeah. So these guys are cool. So we talk about mobbing. Um, with these birds, they do mobbing a little bit different. They actually call it a quote popcorn display. Could you guys guess why they might call it that? One after another. It's because they just jump back and forth and go like, wah, 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 like right at them. Like they're sort of like popcorn. These guys are super fun. So we talked about it in our previous episode, but these guys um, are second only to flamingos 
in terms of their proportion of body size to leg size. Their legs are incredibly long compared to the rest of their body, which gives them that very awkward run we were talking about where they, like, like, they're so off balance, they go head first. And uh, they have a very fun looking flight where they will literally fly completely extended, wings right out, legs right out, like a little T pose. Jess, how do you feel about black neck stilts? I think they're really cute and really funny. Yeah, because they make really funny noises too. They make like little alarm, like chirping noises. We had a rare treat today where we saw a juvenile, which is very fun. We saw a, a parent bird and a little um, juvenile that was still losing its juvenile color pattern. So yeah, so we saw a lot of them together. So these guys are colony birds. They will nest together in sort of colonies, which is helpful for smaller birds because they get to do that popcorn behavior. But they are incredibly aggressive. So they will do that popcorn on like anything that gets close. We actually kind of, we almost encountered that a little bit today. We got like within like what, 30 feet of that pair before it started doing the alarm noise and like walking away from us. Yeah. Um, so we can sort of see how nervous and territorial these guys are, which again, they do that because it works. These guys are very successful. So, you know, when you see behavior like that, it's because it's helpful. Do they have a lot of predators? Oh, a ton. Any small bird, um, they'll get eaten by anything. Let me look up their specific predators. That's a good question. There's a lot of like hawks and ospreys on the river. I would imagine that um, those are big problems because like hawks eat a lot of birds all the time. So their big predators are like foxes, which we don't get a ton in LA, but they also get coyotes. So I imagine out here coyotes are a big problem for them. Um, skunks. With any bird, the nest is always a concern. So with nests, you have to worry about rats. You got to worry about raccoons, any sort of animals that will go in there and eat the eggs. And then other birds will prey on them. So like I said, there's a lot of hawks in the river, a lot of ospreys and stuff. So they probably have to worry about those guys dive bombing them. But unlike a lot of those predator birds, they don't have to worry about each other so much. They're not really aggressive toward each other. Like I said, they live in colonies. So that breeds a lot of co cooperation, which is helpful. Because not, not all birds work cooperatively. Some birds fight their conspecific neighbors. You know, they'll fight other egrets. So if there's egrets in the neighborhood, but still it's a pretty cooperative. Again, we talk about the importance of organizing, not to bring it back to the writer's strike, or excuse me, the strike, not to paint it on the writers, it's the studio's fault. Um, but you know, organizing is very important. So true. When they were doing the little alarm sound, it looked, it reminded me of like a mom helping their kid cross the street. Oh, it was, wait, wait, you mean like the way it was, they were like walking together? Yeah. So we also briefly saw those Egyptian geese, and I'd love to talk about it again because they are so beautiful and so strange. So what did you think about the Egyptian geese, Sam? Um, I liked that they were colorful. <laughs> um, I haven't eaten anything today, and like something that was going through my mind was like... Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> which, which birds, like... Because it's like some of them are like way too skinny to be worth it. But like that was like, oh, that... They look large enough and like plump enough that like you could probably eat that. I don't think we've ever brought a guest on the podcast who's been a threat to the birds that we are <laughs> watching before. But I didn't were, do anything. You're out there seeing a fucking cooked goose like a cartoon on a desert island out there. I've never, I've never had a cooked goose, but like it's in <laughs> literature so much that I'm like, I would love to try it one day. You know. I've heard that it's a lot like turkey or chicken, but like very like greasy. So that sounds um, amazing. Or maybe like duck. I've had duck, which is pretty good, but like duck to mm -hmm. me is like the steak of poultry. That's yeah, for I'm sure. I'm not a gourmand. I don't know what to talk about. The steak of poultry. Duck is pretty good. It's very... Duck is amazing. It's my favorite, yeah. Really? Yeah, duck and lamb. Those are up there. Well, you like lamb? Mm-hmm. I, I used to raise sheep for meat. We didn't eat a ton of lamb growing up because we felt almost cannibalistic, but after... Uh, my, my dad would buy leg of lamb for the family, but we would call it, quote, leg of meat so that my siblings and I didn't know it was sheep. Were you raising it for, like... Uh their wool or for so there are wool breeds and so i raise sheep and goats with sheep there are meat breeds and wool breeds and with goats there are hair breeds milk breeds and meat breeds 
all the ones I raised were meat breeds, so all of them were destined for slaughter eventually. So I'm, I'm sure you guys got a lot of 4-H in Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so it was that. So I'd raise them to show at the fair with 4-H, and then I'd sell them at the auction, and that would help me buy more sheep later. <laughs> um, but yeah. You never had to slaughter yourself? No. I try not to think about the fact that everything I raised was led to slaughter. That's not a... That's a <laughs> unfortunate part of my brain i've had to shut off in order to sleep at night uh, but yeah because like when you're like nine or ten and like you're indoctrinated to understand these animals are just for meat like you sort of like grow up being like separating that but like mm-hmm. as i got more older and sentimental it became more of like an issue for me and thankfully i sold them off before i fully got like oh that was fucked up i feel bad doing that um, mm. but you know because even though they're raised for slaughter humans are so easy to make connections with things I like love they're like little pets. I loved them, so it was always hard. But you know, that's sad. Yeah, but you know, it's it's fine. They would be they would be. I kept one as a pet once because I just couldn't bear to sell them. One year, I kept them for years, but there was a problem. So when you raise a male animal for meat, you want to get the testicles off as soon as possible because those hormones will mess with the meat production. It'll make it tougher. It'll add flavors you don't want. In pigs, they call it boar taint, which is really gross. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. The problem with that, though, is when you cut off the testicles, the urethra stops growing. So if they get a kidney stone, that'll block them up to the point of bladder explosion and death. So you have to make sure that you feed them plenty of acids. And even though we put like vinegar in their water to like um, make sure they're getting plenty of acid in their diet, he still ended up getting calcium buildup. And we did have to put him down because his uh, bladder ruptured. So that was a bummer. I buried him myself. I, uh, yeah. R.I.P. My sheep. Can you still eat it if it if it dies that way? you shouldn't uh you probably shouldn't because i don't know how far it penetrates but i imagine that urine's gonna get a lot of places and if you put him down you can't eat him because he's full of like from like formaldehyde or whatever oh not formaldehyde whatever whatever medicine they use to uh oh they don't just take a gun and shoot him (laughs) they could but uh we lived in like a suburban neighborhood so that might have been weird Uh, so growing up i didn't like grow up in like the country country it was like sort of the country and then like they built houses around us to the point that it became the suburbs so we just lived on an acre and a third um are you familiar with acres from mississippi like the unit of measurement yes yeah okay because every time well i think he's asking can you visualize it oh yeah sort of yeah okay because when i bring it up in the city people have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about and i have no idea how to because like the only way my point of reference is you know how big my house and backyard were like i don't know how to describe it Okay. <laughs> but I grew up on an acre and a third, and the back third was just the animal stuff. Right. So, like, it was technically, like, a, an animal space, but we were, like, next to, like, developed houses and stuff. And uh, mm, I see. In hindsight, it was very funny because some people definitely moved out there for the peace and quiet, but they lived next to me and my screaming goats all day and then the neighbor to the back of us who worked on race cars for a living. So there was just mm. no peace and quiet. Anyway, back to the birds. So I want to <laughs> talk about these... Uh, I want to talk about these Egyptian geese... So these guys, they're really cool. They're from Africa. They live mostly in Africa, but they've been introduced to the United States via the escape from private collections. So there's a lot of, there's a populations in California, populations in Texas, et cetera, et cetera. They're not like plant eaters for the most part. They typically eat little like invertebrates, um, little fish and stuff, but it's like mostly those invertebrates, especially plankton. So we talked about how different birds like to cooperate. Like a lot of birds like, like live by like, you know, cooperation by organizing, et cetera, et cetera. These birds do not. They hate each other. So they're really territorial to their conspecifics. Conspecifics means um, animals that are also that same species. But these guys are really cool. So they will attack each other in the air like fighter planes. They literally call it dogfighting like planes. So they will have like aerial battles where they like fly at each other and attack, which I think is really cool. We talked about how um, swallows look like little cute B-52 bombers. These guys literally are like 
jet fighters. They will fly in and attack each other. <laughs> and what's fun is that they're so used to this, defending their territory from the air, they'll do the same thing with, like, man-made aerial objects. So these guys will take out drones, or, like, at least try to, that are, like, in their, like, airspace. So they're literally like the United States when a foreign object flies through. They'll just start, like, fucking attacking it. So uh, these guys take out drones. They'll take out little, like, you know, kids' planes and shit. It's fun to sort of see how <laughs> some birds are, like, incredibly, like, friendly, and some birds are just, like, absolutely aggressive. Have you ever been birding with a drone? No, that seems like it might be disruptive, but uh, <laughs> I try not to fuck with them too much. But I mean, I feel like you can get some pretty good pictures, especially with that uh-huh. aerial view. But that's a good question. I don't know. There's so much man-made shit that fucks with birds. I try to keep it as like you know natural as possible. But you know, if if you want a bird with a drone, who cares? I don't want to. I don't want to stop you. <laughs> um, what's nice about these guys is they are feminists. So congratulations. The parents both work together to raise the offspring wow. until the offspring leaves the nest. Thank you to the Egyptian geese for being allies. Thank you. Any other thoughts on the Egyptian geese, guys? No, they were just chilling today. Usually they're kind of loud. Yeah, typically they they yell at us pretty quickly. They're usually honking at us. But today it was really hot, I think, so they were just like sort of chilling. Yeah. And yeah, we talked about the river. What's great about the river is that during the season where their babies have just hatched, we see a lot of gosling action. So we'll see these guys hanging out with their kids, which is really cute. But uh, it's sort of like the Barbie movie, a lot of gosling action. Um, but totally. Right now, there's they're obviously grown up, so you know it's just adults. Uh, a gosling is a young goose. Yes, sorry, I oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, so yeah, it's oh. just it's just like duckling, but I guess gooseling sounded silly, so they went with gosling, which uh, again we have a very dumb language. We did see a lot of big birds. Usually, we don't see all of the herons and the egrets at once. We saw them all. I was going to say, yeah, this was a pretty big day activity-wise. Like, we saw a lot of, like, we saw the snowy egrets, like, um, we saw, like, probably 20 of them, like, throughout the day. And there were, like, so many that we saw them, like, attacking each other for territory, which was really cool. Hopefully those pictures developed of the birds, like, flying at each other and, like, clawing and stuff. So we've done this path a few times, and I've worked it out so that we go, like, one direction for a little bit and the other direction a little bit. Because the one direction shows us the stilts, the other one shows us the herons. But here we got the herons and egrets on the stilt direction. They were all over the place, which is wild. Um, one thing we usually see that we didn't, which is cormorants, but that's fine. You know, we saw cormorants yesterday. We've talked about that. Usually the, the river, it's um, not this lousy with herons like it was. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, we didn't see our guy, the green heron, unfortunately, Jess. That's our favorite. But Yeah. So Sam, we talked about your favorite bird being the black neck stilt. That's usually our last question. Do you have any other thoughts on the black neck stilt? I just got an interesting shape, got an interesting <laughs> look. Yeah. I like that. So, and you do not want to eat the black neck stilt? No. The only okay. one that I, that I thought was like, oh, this could be like something maybe people could eat was the goose the and goose, the mallard. Yeah. But that makes sense because people do eat those. Yeah, people do eat goose. And then did you want to touch the black neck stilt at some point? Yeah, it was like kind of scrawny. So I, I think that one's like something I would just like want to look at. But like, I think a duck okay. might be like the mallard might be more fun yeah. to like play with. Okay, totally. that's fun. Uh, Jess, what was your favorite bird that we saw today? I also like the stilts. I just think they're cute. They walk funny. I like the little baby today. I don't know. Just a yeah, fan it was favorite. cute. It was cute seeing that baby. Yeah. It's fun that like a lot of the birds breed in the spring and the babies are out by like summer or fall, but like some of them vary in terms of when that happens. So you know, there's a whole period where we get to see overlapping babies, and it's always a lot of fun. Yeah. What was your favorite? I think it's a tie between I think just all the herons we saw today the egrets the the great blue herons I just loved not only did we see so many we saw some really cool stuff I as you guys know I really freaked the fuck out when I saw those two those two great blue herons fighting I was like yelling for you guys and like taking photos and shit so that was just really exciting for me I love part of what we, we talked about earlier part of what I love so much about birding is seeing that natural behavior 
and I've never got to see them like fight for territory. And great blue herons, Sam has talked about it. They are huge. They're gigantic dinosaur birds. <laughs> so seeing a bird that big fighting and engaging in aggressive behavior was like seeing like two lions fight when I'm watching like a David Attenborough documentary as a 10 year old. So seeing that in real life was so cool and so energizing. And I really want to go back again. Uh, if you two weren't there, I would have stayed there for 45 extra minutes and just stood at those two, <laughs> those two great blue herons Aww. until they did something cool again. So, uh, it was, um, that was really fun. And then seeing those egrets fight, I hope I got good photos of that. Cause I love watching, um, both egrets, the, um, snowy and the, um, great egret in flight because those beautiful white feathers i love the way that they um, look in flight so i'm hoping those turned out so and then also the great egrets that we saw were flying pretty high they were like hella high up in the i'm saying hella again um third third time in two days which seems like a lot for somebody who hasn't said it hella does. in like six years that was very weird yeah um but yeah so that was that was really cool well awesome so then now that we've talked about the birds we saw today sam we have a question for you okay would you go birding again? So birding is because I still don't know exactly what birding. It's like looking at birds, right? So bird. So here's the difference between birding and bird watching. Okay. So bird watching essentially means you're out and about in a park and you just sort of look around and see birds. You're like, oh, I'm gonna sit on a bench and watch birds. Birding is more the act of going somewhere specifically to look at birds. So it's very oh. semantic and, in my opinion, kind of dumb. I like bird watching better, but my stupid anal brain likes to be correct, so I go with birding. Um, but if people say bird watching, I treat them as interchangeable terms when I'm hearing them. But that's really the difference. So birding is just going out. Some people like to. Everybody does it a little bit differently. So there's bird watchers that just go out to catalog the birds they see. They like to keep lists. Like we, we have the Audubon app, the eBird e app. There are apps where you can like list all the birds you saw and link them so people can see what birds are there and go check them out. Um, and then like they get to write down behaviors they've seen, they keep lists. Some people go out and like try to recognize birds by sound. They'll go out and try to listen to the birds and like they like learning it that way. I'm a photographer, so I like to go out and like take photos of the birds. That's what gets me excited. So anyway, there's so many ways to do it, but birding is essentially going somewhere specifically to in some way or another enjoy or catalog birds. Okay, I think I would go again if it was like, hey, we're gonna go and try and find this one. Or, like go look at this one. But if it was yeah. just like, Hey, we're going to go look at some birds. I'd be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. I, I fucked up. Normally, I will send the guest homework ahead of time, but I, uh, I had a busy... So what I'll do is just like, here's the Audubon app. Here are the birds that are here. If there's any you want to look at, let me know so we can try to find them. So now that I know that might have been fun for you, I wish I would have done that. Oh, interesting. Awesome. Well, that brings us to our last segment, Sam, which is plugs. So do you have anything to plug? Um, yeah, come check me out on Herald Night, uh, Mondays at UCB. That's yes, my um, team I will that. do that. I just want to clarify. Oh, that. no, that was a plug. That wasn't directed no, at you. <laughs> no, I know. I just make no, you listeners, specifically. The listeners need to know that I will also support Sam. I'm not putting the burden just on them. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, check me out uh, with my team at uh, We Improv on Friday nights. What's the name of your team? How do we find your team? How do we find when they're playing? Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Headbutt Comedy, um, or you can go to UCB and check the website on Monday nights. Is it every Monday? Uh, no, it's like they send us uh, like a schedule for which Mondays were up, and it's not like a consistent pattern, so that is sometimes a little confusing. But I mean, I guess the idea is that the, the attraction is Herald Night as a product and not the specific teams. Or whatever, right. So I guess I get that. Mm -hmm. um, and then what about your Wii team? Is that, they also have a social media account? Uh, yes, at Whistling Prince Improv. Is that a euphemism for something? Yeah, for jerking off. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, no it's, it's not. Oh, I was like... <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it sounded was, like yeah. it. I wouldn't know. Is that one of the like the the class names that just stuck, or is it was it created? Our our teacher just gave us that name one day, and we've we just didn't change it. Ah. Yeah. Great. Well, then I'm gonna plug two things. First, I'm gonna plug Sela again. So Sela is the the org that I volunteer with. Jess volunteers with um, where we help out our unhoused neighbors in our community. So our big um, thing that we do is our Saturday supper program where people can come by and get meals, get um, showers, clothing, um, some help with like DMV vouchers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then we also do outreach. We'll go out to places like the river. We'll go out to places where they're encampments, talk to our unhoused neighbors, provide them any help they need, um, stuff out on the river. Um, So if you're interested in volunteering in your community, check out selahnhc.org. The NHC, of course, being Neighborhood Homeless Coalition. Um, we have stuff on Saturdays, we have Wednesday stuff, we got Tuesday stuff, and we got stuff not just in Silver Lake, you can go to Echo Park, you can help out in Los Feliz, you can help out in a third, oh, Hollywood now, we have a Hollywood branch, um, we have our sister chapter in Eagle Rock, whose name I'm forgetting, um, but you can check that out probably on the SEAL website, I'll double check that later. Also not affiliated um, oh, sorry, with religion or, or the church. Yes, we are hosted. We are hosted at a church, but as several hats say, not with a church. We are not with the church. The church is very gracious. They lend us the space, but you do not have to be a Christian person or like give away all your stuff to go and there. And Sila is so. like biblical. Was saying they didn't really consider volunteering because they thought it was a affiliated with religion. <laughs> they got to change the yeah. name. Anyway. It's only the the name is an acronym, by the way. It's Silver Lake Echo Park, Los Angeles, Atwater, Hollywood. It's you know, so that's what it stands for. Um, but yeah, is there um, like a, a meal prep or like meal distribution aspect of it? Yeah, so that's if the, if you come by on Saturdays for the Saturday supper program, they hand out meals so you can um, work on the meal. You can work on the um, um, food station. So if you want to do that, let me know. I'll send you links and stuff. Okay, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, you'd be a great addition. And then the second thing I'm going to plug is this podcast. Um, feel free to share us with your friends if, if you enjoy this podcast. Again, we're now at 25 Spotify subscribers, which are followers, which means we are one-eighth of the way to my special topless episode when we get to um, follower number 200. So again, once we get to 200 followers, I'll be doing my topless episode. So help us get there. Um, the sooner you get it, the sooner my – the longer you guys take, the worse my farmer's hand gets. So please – Hurry up on that. Uh, share us with your friends. Share us on social media. Give us five stars on Spotify. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a little blurb. Um, yeah, but that's about it. Um, you do a lot of sh- topless performing. <laughs> I, it comes up a lot, I know. It's a, it's a real gimmick, I guess. Any excuse. It was better in college and post-college when I was in better shape. So uh, I got I to gotta get back into my 20-year-old body. Um, not that diet culture is a thing, not that, you know, it's fucking whatever. I'm allowed to feel I want. Um, anyway, (laughs) Sam, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. I'm going to leave everybody with a... Yeah!